Welcome to another edition of the uh, Ab Astra podcast, uh, discussing um, the history of astrology with several scholars and researchers on the field. Today we have with us Dorian Greenbaum. Welcome. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Dorian uh, received her PhD from the Warburg Institute on her investigation on the diamond on Hellenistic tradition. Uh, and this was also the topic of the book that came out of the PhD, which is entitled The Diamond in Hellenistic Astrology, Origins and Influences, and was published by Brill in 2016. Quite a, a large book. Um, Dorian has also published a number of papers. I'm not going to quote every one of them, but one of one that I can remember is one she authored with Alexander Jones on a very interesting chart example where uh, the the lots were quite present in in an old uh, Hellenistic chart. Um, we'll put the, the the link for these articles later in the in the page of this uh, podcast. Um, she has also um, recently uh, participated in an edited volume by uh, Francesca Rochberg on the Hellenistic traditions as well, um, science, the science and in, in its context, I, I, I believe. Um, I'm doing this correctly. Uh, <laughs> quite recent, 2020, it's, it's still this year. Yes, um, it just came out. Could, yeah. could I just say the... The exact title, is that okay? Yes, that's perfect. perfect. <laughs> it's called, um, and I can even, as we do on Zoom, mm -hmm. this, this is the oh, volume. Okay. <laughs> um, it's called uh, Hellenistic Astronomy, the Science in Its Contexts, and it's co-edited, actually, by Alan Bowen and Francesca Rothberg. Mm -hmm. um, it's, again, it's, it's also quite a massive book. It contains material from pretty much all of the cultures of the Mediterranean region in in that time frame around the centuries around the turn of the millennium from BC to BCE to CE. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes, it, it, it's quite an interesting collection. So you're participating in quite a rich collection of works and research from this period, which is quite 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 nice. Um, you also edited other books uh, together with Charles Burnett, I remember, the one... From Masahala to Kepler? From Kepler, exactly. Yes. <laughs> this was 2015, if I'm not uh, uh, mistaken. Yes. Um, and you have published a number of articles. You also published uh, and edited volumes on the... Um, uh, what's called Culture and Cosmos. You also edited the Kepler volume. Uh, yes. and and you have published many articles. I'm not going to give a complete list here. No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> well, so, we can stay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome and thank you for accepting our invitation to participate here. Um, so we would start by asking you um, your experience. Uh, well, first of all, yeah. let me just say that Dorian is uh, the first or at least one of the first, but I, I believe you are the first person who studied, who, who, who dared 
to bring uh, the history of astrology into uh, into this field and uh, in this in this um, in this context you are um, a pioneer and we all owe you because you were like uh, breaking the ice for every everyone else and um, in this in this uh, perspective uh, we can I would like to ask you uh, what is your uh, what are your views on the um, academic uh, reception of the history of astrology I know it's a long uh, uh, complicated and complex question but just your personal views on this um, taking into account that you were I believe the first person who did who did this kind of uh, research and uh, your PhD is uh, like opened the doors for everybody else including me and Luis so what are your views on this what has changed if anything has changed Oh, well, that's a, that's quite an interesting a long <laughs> topic. Yes. Um, yes, I, I think you, you um, are referring to the fact that I was the, the first uh, practicing astrologer to be a PhD student at the Warburg Institute. Um, and, um, well, it was an interesting experience. Uh, I think there's pros and cons on each on each within each kind of group on both sides really um, because uh, practitioners and I found this to be true certainly in my own work I, I found that I had actually a, a great advantage in really understanding the historical material because I had experience in practice um, and, and that was a great, great advantage to me, um, in, in doing the work for my PhD, which was on a topic in the history of astrology, um, and not a book, a, like a typical, um, practicing astrologers book, which will maybe concentrate on techniques and methods and, uh, and the actual craft of astrology and, and how to interpret um, but on the other hand, um, I think, well, I think in the last maybe 25 or 30 years, the scholarship in the history of astrology has really become, maybe mainstream is not quite the right word to use, but it's become more acceptable to even study this kind of thing um and and we now have i mean it's still quite a small field let's face it <laughs> yeah. we we could we could put all of our our colleagues in one room together and you know it probably <laughs> it, it it probably wouldn't be like a football stadium or anything like that <laughs> um but i think that um there's less um maybe stigma attached to studying this and um i think it's become more reputable to mm -hmm. study this and i think the same maybe is also true of um of studying other sort of esoteric fields like magic mm -hmm. um than than it used to be uh and there's much less prejudice 
Yes, I, I, I think say, I have to say that uh, apart from having the practical knowledge on the field, you also had a very solid knowledge of Greek, ancient Greek. Well, yes, and that also was like I mean, it came of like it Well, yeah, I, I, and of course I was basing my the, the topic of my PhD on the fact that I knew I was going to be looking at primary texts. In Greek. In Greek. Um, I yeah. mean, I was very, yeah, yeah. I, I was very lucky because I happened to have a background as a classics major, as a as an undergraduate, and then I studied Egyptology at, at Columbia, and I got a master's mm -hmm. in that. So I, I was coming in with a somewhat unusual background <laughs> um, to have all those skills of available to me, yes. um, you know, so I, I had both Greek and Latin and, and also, um, some ancient Egyptian. Um, so, yeah. you know, that you had the, the correct tools and the set of knowledge yeah. that would, uh, support yeah. your study. I would say a unique your... set of tools to, mm -hmm. to, yes. to address this, this topic, because your study, your PhD was on, uh, um, Hellenistic astrology. Yes. So it was, uh, uh, well, you said it was lucky, but it's, it is actually a lot of work. It was not just luck. <laughs> well, I no, I mean, it, it was, it was lucky that I, I haven't had those had skills to be able to do that I, kind of work. No, no, no. I, I, I don't, I don't want to imply that I just sort of sat down one night and uh -huh. dashed off a PhD thesis. <laughs> no, I think it was exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not trying to discourage other people who might want to do a PhD, but you know, um, it, it has its, its, its joys and its depressions, shall we say. Yes, <laughs> we, all, we all know that. <laughs> we all know that, we all know that, yeah. But it was just wonderful to be at a place like the Warburg Institute, um, which after they, um, uh, after I was, I kind of became one of one of the group, you know, um, and they realized that I actually was doing decent scholarship. <laughs> um, it was, uh, and I should also point out that this was not the, certainly not the case with my supervisor Charles Burnett, who was perfectly fine from the beginning. Um, oh, supervisor, we were yes. all very, very lucky. <laughs> very, very, very lucky to have him. Um, I, I again, and I, I feel very lucky that I that I was in the right place at the right time, um, so that that could even happen. Um, but being in the Warburg, which is such a fabulous intellectual environment for for a scholar and a student, um, and and the collegiality the, of many of the people who. Uh, work and study there. Um, it's, it was just a great place to be. I, I wouldn't have wanted to be any other place. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think that is the the the, the special place to be. Mm -hmm. yeah, and with sure. a wonderful supervisor. I, I think it was really the the magical combination of uh, all, all the everything come together. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> a absolutely. Absolutely. It was a, a happy confluence of of many things that just created um, the situation that I found myself in for almost four years, <laughs> um, you know, with my family on the other side of the pond. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, and um, you now are yourself a tutor. Uh, I didn't yes. that yeah, a tutor in the the program of the university. Sorry, clarify this for Lampetier. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I I teach on the um, MA in um, cultural astronomy and astrology at the University of Wales, Trinity St David, uh, mm -hmm. at the the physical campuses in Lampeter, mm -hmm. which is in Wales. Yes. yes. Um, so I'm teaching in the field that I'm expert in, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, which is very nice. Yes, it is. It's always, it's always a good, uh, and, um, so currently what's have been your, your interests of research or what have you have developed in the current years? Of course, you, you're still working on Hellenistic. It's your specialty. And yes. Build, uh, the, uh, the timeline, the, that little piece of the timeline where you focus and where's your interest. And could you tell us uh, a bit more of your present research? Your present research <laughs> and all the work that you have been presenting in several lectures. Yes, yes. Um, well, um, because of the topics that I was looking at for my PhD, I became extremely interested in the uh, concept of astrological lots, mm -hmm. which in the medieval tradition become known as Arabic parts. And I think even in modern astrology, that's, the, that's a common way to refer to them. Although I would argue that they, uh, their origin is not Arabic. <laughs> And, and I like to use the word lot because it gives the sense of allotment um, and um, and and the actual way the people in that time frame would have understood what a lot was, uh, having all of the qualities that we associated with that we associate with even things like on a very common level, the lottery, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so this idea of, of, of bringing, bringing in an idea of, um, of divination and of um, uh, using the techniques that they would use in ancient lot divination mm -hmm. um, applied to astrology in a fairly systematic way, but the underlying origin is still quite present even in that word lot. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's why I, I think we should be saying lot and not part. <laughs> because part doesn't give the, that, that semantic or etymological sense that, that lot does. Yes. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, so I became interested in lots, um, First, because I was writing about the daimon um, in Hellenistic astrology, and uh, I suppose I should just give a quick sort of definition of what a daimon is. Um, in, in the practice of astrology, it can have a number of different meanings, and, and in the Greek cultural milieu, Daimon is a, a very multivalent term. So it can refer to some kind of semi-divine being that, um, as, as Plato would say, can be an intermediary between gods and humans. Mm 
mm-hmm. and can and can uh, facilitate communication between gods and humans. Um, in the myth of Ur, the souls who are about to reincarnate choose a diamond to accompany them into incarnation, uh, and this diamond will guide their li- lives um, once they've ratified the choices that they've made about that life. Um, so there's that sense of, of diamond. And of course, in astrology, right in the mechanics, we have um, in, in the astrological places, the 12 portions of the chart that, you know, that are each associated with a different area of life. We have, um, two places or houses as they're known in modern astrology, um, of the good diamond and the bad diamond. Mm -hmm. Um, and people don't, people don't think about that very much in modern astrology and everybody, and, and they are the 11th and 12th places or houses and people sometimes, especially with the 11th place, they just wonder what to even to do with that place. You know, Oh, it's friends and hopes and wishes. And they don't think about mm-hmm. the concept of diamond, um, which is another thing that I wanted to explore in my thesis. Um, so there's that part. And then, um, in addition to the lot of fortune, which many astrologers will know about, um, the mirror image of that lot, it's, it's, by, it's formed by the reversal of the formula for the lot of fortune. Mm-hmm. You, you get the lot of daimon, which is often known in, by modern astrologers as the lot of spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, although, again, that doesn't really convey the concept of what daimon is. Um, so, you know. My other goal is to get people to call it the lot of diamond and not the lot of spirit. Um, this is a fairly long explanation, uh, basically, of how I came to be interested in, in this topic. Um, and so uh, I've, I've, oh, I've stayed interested in that, even in the uh, subsequent work that I've done, even though I've written about a bunch of other different things as well. Um, and And recently um actually it was a um uh i can't call it a a conference it was a colloquium that was held um to honor charles burnett um this was a few years ago and uh and i presented um some I, i presented a talk on um the tradition of planetary lots in Abu Mashar's work, um, which included, of course, the lots of fortune and diamond that are prominent in Hellenistic astrology um, to other lots called the lots of um, eros or love and necessity, which are also um, part of the tradition in Hellenistic astrology, plus uh, three more um, lots that are associated with the planets. And I was interested in that because, uh, now you tell me if I'm uh, going too far. Oh, please. <laughs> okay, I'll keep talking. You can, you, can, you, you can edit that bit out if you want. <laughs> Just perhaps to, to explain people who are listening and who hmm. do not have a complete knowledge a lot is a mathematical point which is calculated between two points in the chart usually two planets and then projected from a third point usually the the, the rising degree 
in or a chart or the ascendant yes. or the horoscope, as it's known in the Hellenistic tradition. So it is a mathematical point that will have a certain significance in the interpretation point. So all of these planetary lots that you're speaking of are a, a small part of this huge tradition of computation within yes. the, the chart, the astrological chart. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. But thank you. Thank you very much for... See, I, I just assume these things. I take them for granted and I'm like, no, everybody we, knows what that is, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly right. The, the lots are formed by taking um, the arc between usually two planets um, and that degree distance is then projected from a third point, it's usually the ascendant. Uh, in the case of the lot of fortune, um, you're looking at the arc between the sun and the moon and projecting that from the ascendant. Um, and the lot of diamond, you're taking the same arc, but projecting it in the opposite direction. And that's where you get this idea of a mirror image. What I discovered when I was doing my PhD research was that there was there were actually um, other lots that depended on those two. And I discovered these in, in Vedius Valens um, when he's talking about the lots of eros or love and the lot of necessity. And I hadn't really noticed this before, but I looked at... Um, the passage that he was talking about in, I think it's in book four of his anthologies. And at the, at the bottom of the, the page, I think it was near the bottom of the page in the Greek edition, I noticed that there were formulae for these lots of love and necessity. And I looked at what they were and they were different from the ones that I knew from Paulus of Alexandrinus, which coincidentally was the, the, first and probably only uh, um, translation that I made of an ancient astrologer's text. Um, in, in, instead of um, using for love the arc between Venus and the lot of diamond, um, and for necessity using the arc between uh, Mercury and the lot of fortune, Valens actually took the lots of fortune and diamond and the arc between those mm -hmm. and projected it in one way for the lot of eros and the opposite way for the lot of necessity so that you get this really beautiful double mirror image mm -hmm. which connects all of the lots mm -hmm. and i thought this was very interesting and valens uses those four lots quite a bit in in interpretation an interpretation of charts. So I thought, well, how come I didn't know about this? And I realized as I was looking at the text, um, this is probably, I don't know, maybe probably 2006 when I, when I first started looking seriously at, at Valens and these lots, that the formula um, for each of those lots, uh, Eros or Love and Necessity, um, were bracketed, square bracketed by the critical, by the editor who was David Pingree, as if, and that's what you do in a, in a text when you think something's spurious. Yes. And I, I thought, well, this doesn't really sound bogus to me. This sounds like 
this these formula must be legitimate. Why have I not heard of them? And I started looking through other writers on ancient astrology, like starting with Boucher Leclerc and various other people. Um, uh, and, and I realized that pretty much scholarship had pretty much just accepted the formulae for those two lots that were in Paulus. Mm -hmm. and, and the Valens formula had been completely forgotten. And, and, and they, or they would say, oh, well, this isn't right, you know, and this is why I think Pingree had square bracketed them out. It could be an error or an error transmission or some sort of... Yes, I think that's what they thought, that it was some kind of error of transmission. Yeah. But then I went and looked at um, the, one of the um, little Bibles of Hellenistic astrology, which is called Greek Horoscopes. Um, it's, a, it's a book that contains a primary source documents of ancient horoscopes mm -hmm. um, edited by um, Otto Neugebauer and H.B. Van Hosen. And I, there, there are very few charts that calculate these, these two lots of eros and necessity. Um, there are more that calculate the lots of fortune and diamond, and I actually wrote an article about that for, for Culture and Cosmos. But um, very few charts calculate all four of those lots. But I discovered, amazingly, that they used this formula that took the arc between fortune and diamond and projected it in one direction or another from the ascendant in all of the documentary charts. Then they're not very many, there may be four or five, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, wow, no one's ever mentioned this before. I mean, that I knew of, right? Um, and so I, and I came to discover that there were variants on this formula, that, that, that Valens had projected them in one way and Firmicus Maternus projected them in another way. But the documentary charts were sort of evenly divided in which formula mm. was used in, in the chart. And, you, you know, you can go look at, look at these charts in, in Neugebauer and Van Hosen. So I got very interested in that. Um, the reason that I'm going into such detail here is because it it came. Uh, it, it I later had to um, take a look at the Paulus tradition of lots, um, in which he mentions that he got. Well, Olympia Doris actually mentions that they come from a book called the Panoretos, um, and that it's a Hermetic text, um, and that that has been the tradition that sort of came down through astrology and into modern scholarship. However, um, when I started to look at people like Abu Mashar, and I looked at what he's calling the planetary lots, mm -hmm. right? I realized that he's calling these, these group, this group of seven lots that he calls planetary lots, each associated with a planet, right? Um, and at, at the seven classical planets, including the sun and moon, I came to discover that he gives the formula, the, the formulas for them, for the lot of, what he's calling the lot of Venus. Mm -hmm. He's using the valence formula that uses the arc between fortune and diamond. Mm -hmm. And the lot of Mercury, which valence calls the lot of necessity, 
is doing the, you know, the reversal of that formula, right? He's calling them planetary lots, but they're, he's not using planets in them. Yes. yes. And I found that was very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be, um, and I didn't have time to explore this in my thesis because my thesis was sort of based in the Hellenistic milieu, the, Medi the Mediterranean region, roughly from the second century BCE in, in, into late antiquity, right? Um, mm -hmm. I didn't, it, it, I was already way over the word limit. There was no way I could get into medieval astrology at that time. <laughs> I but I remember that uh, phase when you were like finishing the book and uh, with too many words, so to say, and trying to fit everything neatly into the book. I, I do remember that. Yes. It was, um, well, uh, very stressful, I have to say. <laughs> you mean in your situation? No, in your situation. Oh, yes, that was, yes, it was extremely, it was extremely. You had so many ideas and uh, you had yeah. limits. <laughs> yes, yes, I had, I had to, um, at, at, right at the very end, um, about four months before I had to hand my thesis in, I uh, discovered I was well over the word limit and I had to cut chapters and I had to truncate things and yeah. So there was no way that I could do anything about this interesting, what I saw as sort of an interesting conflation of these two lot traditions in Abu Mashar. Um, the, the best that I could do was to, you know, sort of mention it in a footnote, which I did in my thesis and also in my book. So you can, you can find the, uh, you know, very sort of one page um, reference to this work. Footnote, like <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I was just looking at the footnote this afternoon. Yes, it's about that long. <laughs> yeah, you know, how, how we do in, in scholarship land, we, <laughs> we, we, we have copious footnotes. I remember one of, one of my fellow students was so happy. She came to me showing me part of a chapter that she'd written that had two lines of text at the top and the whole rest of the page was footnotes. <laughs> because <laughs> no. you know we we have to um if we're properly trained we have to document everything that we that we find and and give evidence for everything that we that we say yeah, yeah. yeah. um so yes so i i couldn't really take up this this idea at the time that i i wrote my thesis i could just allude to it as a future project you know how we how we do um, and, and so when I had this opportunity to uh, present this material for Charles at what I'm, what is in, pro in the process of becoming his fest shrift, um, you know, I was very happy to look at that material in a lot more detail and to really get into some of the, the nitty gritty about um, why he might have done this, what were his sources and all that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The transmission of that kind of. The transmission. Yes. The transmission yeah. and how, and how, not only how it gets to Abu Mushar and what he does with it, which is interesting and, and which I explore in the, the paper that that's going to be in the fest trip, but um, mm -hmm. the later transmission too. Um, mm -hmm. In the, in the thesis, I, I think I, 
I mentioned um, a, a couple of uh, a few um, uh, people who seem to have relied on Abu Mashar's uh, explanation of, of these lots, mm -hmm. um, and and Bonatti was probably the, the most uh, well known person that I mentioned, and he very relies very heavily on Abu Mashar. So he was a clear he was clearly influenced by Abu Mashar's position, but. You know, I couldn't really get into more detail at that time, so that had to wait until this present, you know, this present piece of work um, that is in 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 process, shall we say? Yes. Yeah. I think it is also very um, interesting to see how one historian, um, just because he put this into square brackets because it was his uh, choice, he had his reasons, his of course, his perception, the time. and this influenced all the other historians, yeah. <laughs> until someone, you, noticed, no, this should be this is not the main text, no. this should be in the main text. Mm. So yeah. the, the way we, we deal with the sources, the way we, the choices we made, when we are uh, um, working or writing about the sources, they can they can influence. Um, they have repercussions. And yeah, they have sometimes quite quite intense in in the way that the topic is. The way we perceive the source and the way we perceive the ideas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 ex exactly. I mean, I, I I had never seen anybody even mention these formula, and and the interesting thing is that I think I. I I should I should verify this, but I have in my head that when I looked at Neugebauer and Van Hosen, who have examples of these charts using these formulae, right? Mm -hmm. um, but in their little commentary about the lots, they don't even mention that yes. that there that there are two different ways of doing it. They just I think they even just mention the way Paulus does it. Mm. Nothing about anyone else like Valens or Firmicus, even though the evidence is right there in the examples they have in their book. Probably they were coming from another perspective and this just escaped them. Escaped them, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because because the, the previous scholarship and uh, had, had taken Paulus on board uh, and all of his work on lots and assumed that that was the main tradition or the only tradition really. Um, and the other, the other thing I wanted to say, you reminded me when you said the square bracket thing, was that I, I of course, immediately um, uh, consulted Charles Burnett about this, and I said, do you, you know, do you have, um, I know, was there a microfilm? I, it's the, the manuscript that, that was used in the critical edition, actually, uh, one of the main manuscripts used in this uh, edition of Valens was a, a Selden manuscript from Oxford. And I believe that Charles had access to a microfilm or something that, or he, he, yeah, I asked him, I think he went to Brown or something and I said, could you look, you know, and it, he raised microfilm. Tell me if you see anything weird about how this formula is presented. Is it, does it seem to, is it in a different hand? Does it seem like yeah, some kind of spurious insertion? And he came back and said, "No, no, it looks like everything else. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's normal, yeah." It's quite yeah, normal. and the choice of the historian, who, the of the researcher, who was so for some reason he decided to 
separate these parts. Well, I think because because the scholarly tradition had ignored this other way of, of doing it, you know, yeah. um, and, and at, at right at the end of my thesis, right before um, I handed it in or maybe right after I handed it in, I got the opportunity to go to the Bodleian Library and look at that manuscript myself. <laughs> um, so I got to see it in the end and I got to see that indeed no change in handwriting nothing to make one think that it was in some way interpolated or whatever mm -hmm. you just know it normal text just just normal text yeah just normal normal text exactly like what was before it and what came after it so yeah this is it's this really is the importance of not only uh i, I mean respecting the text or trying to understand the text in its own terms absolutely sometimes difficult because we live in another century yeah. and then uh, when we're researching over something else someone else research the importance of looking at the source, at the source because sometimes the researcher was not focused on that particularity and missed something or didn't pay enough attention and sometimes we assume that they did and they did not or yes. they a different conclusion and sometimes going back to the documents um just becomes clear that there was an error or some someone missed something or just or there was a misperception of some simply sort. the the researcher the was interpreting something in the light of what was known back then and now mm -hmm. we know more yeah so yes. It's really, it's really important. I, I, I know you know this. Mm -hmm. To look at the sources and to return to the sources. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. New eyes for mm -hmm. the sources. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And and you know, even even later when I, when um, when I came to write this article with Alexander Jones about the the only ancient horoscope that contains all seven of Paulus's lots in. Mm -hmm in the same formula that Paulus uses. Um, and here I need to credit Alexander Jones for first of all, finding that horoscope sort of buried in the Berlin archives um, and, and understanding immediately what it was and how important it was. Um, and, and again, another happy confluence of circumstances, you know, allowed us to present this um, to present this chart, but um, it, it also gives you the opportunity again to revisit the Paulus text and to think about that. And, and so, yeah, scholarship is always evolving and we always need, we should never be thinking that, oh, we've solved that problem forever. <laughs> yeah. That's the forever part. The is forever the one part that's is really, really We right. are always solving, solving the problems in new ways and we are always looking at the topics that we study with new eyes that is yes so um and especially when it comes to this uh, astrology or these fields that are so complex and uh, so rich and so with so many variants so we we really mm -hmm. need to to look at the look sources. at things with, with new eyes <laughs> and do a revision of things. 
Yes, uh, yes, and here, here I was, you know, just this little PhD <laughs> student, you know, with no qualifications. <laughs> you know, I mean, in some in some ways, it, it's helpful to not come in with any preconceptions because yeah. that allows you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it helps you to avoid assumptions. <laughs> yeah, it's not about knowing everything. It's about asking the right questions. Yes. In this in this field, I think. Um, uh, Charles Burnett is one of uh, one of the persons that I know that is more open-minded because he's really always asking uh, new questions, always um, able to become enchanted with a new idea. Yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's one of his great gifts. <laughs> So it's really uh, important, uh, as we were discussing, the importance of sources and revisiting sources. And I think anyone who is dealing with documents, really, with, with, with this, the, the, the direct source of any sort, will have this experience of going at something that's already translated, edited, etc., and then spotting these small discrepancies that weren't there pages that they think that didn't exist and they're actually there in the document, which can become quite um, precious uh, to, to yes. enhance and to give, really give new information to a research and to highlight research. And I think that's a, 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 an excellent point. So in which you have to build not only your own views and the novelties that you're finding by revisiting the text, but also the history of research that has been done on that topic, on that text, on that document, so yeah. that you yes. can build yes. in, in a progress of research. And that's exactly, of any research. opinion that we have, and we, we should have opinions mm -hmm. because it's our contribution, but any opinion that we have should be uh, inserted in this context of scholar scholarity other scholars that already had done their research and then we can mm -hmm. have our opinion we can contribute you can agree mm -hmm. or you can disagree but within this context mm -hmm. not just yes <laughs> yes it's 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 very very important i think to look at previous scholarship when you're working on and give them credit also <laughs> as you know <laughs> well of course we pick up ideas from other scholars? Just yes. Mention them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, of course. And, you know, I, I, I frequently I will say something like, I am indebted to so-and-so for inspiring my thought in this direction or whatever it is, you know? Yes, sometimes even if it is like uh, an informal conversation, like the ones we have sometimes, we just say, I'm grateful to uh, this person. For because uh, or, yes or for discussing uh -huh. this with me or because or for mentioning this somewhere uh, sometimes it's not even about a book or it's just that the person mentioned something that sent us in the right direction mm -hmm. and uh, it is correct and uh, actually elegant <laughs> to mm -hmm. to say I'm grateful to this person because our previous conversation or something that I heard from this person helped yeah. me to develop this this line of thought yes i mean that's how that's how scholarship advances and that's how we should be thinking of it as you know we're all little beads in the in the in the necklace yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mo moving forward yeah 
I just had um, a comment question. Uh, I don't yeah. know exactly where to go with about uh, the lots, is which is has to do with its practice. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have some evidences, and I know you discussed this in your paper. Then in the paper you were about to publish, there are some evidences of the uses of these lots sporadic. Yes. It's difficult to ascertain exactly which lots they use in which time because from what I understand exactly what you were saying, there is some variance and they come back to older formulas and it's difficult to have a clear picture of exactly what were they using. Um, um, but uh, do you know or are you intending uh, to do a work that is more um, how shall I ask this, um, goes more into the evidences. So you have the Hellenistic uh, corpus of charts, which okay. some, a very few number have this, this kind of uh, lot calculation, but also uh, um, are you intending to explore how these evolve then into other horoscopic traditions that are deriving from the, from the, the, the Hellenistic tradition? Like for example, you will find Abu Musar speaking about this and, and talking about this this tradition again yes and it would perhaps it would be interesting to see at that point in that, that kind of horoscopic milieu what they are calculating and how are they calculating this kind of, of techniques if they're using them at all it would be interesting i think yes well um abu mashar does talk about lots not just in the great introduction to astrology which um is the main source i think for the the full uh exposition of of lot technique um he he talks about lots also in the book of religions and dynasties um mm -hmm. and in various other places um in his book on the revolutions of the nativities lots play a fairly prominent role and he actually uses chart examples mm -hmm. um you know actual chart examples that contain lots that he then interprets so at, we know at least that that abu mashar is is doing this kind of thing mm -hmm. the fact that it that it the, the the lot tradition basically goes right through the arabic periods and you see all the really well-known astrologers like Al-Kabisi and Al-Biruni and, and Ibn Ezra um, and Banati, uh, you know, they're all talking about this. Mm -hmm. in, in the great introduction, Abu Mashar devotes an entire book, book eight, is entirely on lots. And it's a very um, well-organized system. So he talks about the seven planetary lots, and then he talks about the 97 lots of the places. And then he talks about 10 other lots that um, don't fit into any of those prior categories. You know, so he's got quite a collection. However, you can actually find um, uh, earlier material that discusses quite a number of these same lots that he takes up. So in the Hellenistic milieu, for instance, in Olympiodorus, uh, and you can find this in the critical edition of Olympiodorus and also um, in the translation that I, that I did of him, of, of his commentary on Paulus, and, I mean, we see pretty much those same lots, you know, 
almost a hundred of them, or maybe even a little over a hundred different lots. So people who think, oh, well, it was the, Arab, the Arabs who proliferated this huge lot thing that was going on. It, it's, it's, I would say that they popularized it and, they, and, and Abu Mashar organized it in a certain way. And his reputation was such that it sort of became codified in the tradition at that point. But um, there is definitely a line of transmission. Um, and, and of course, you get, you're going to get in documentary charts, um, not just the lots that I've been talking about, you know, the planetary lots or, you know, the, the ones that I've previously mentioned, mm -hmm. but a lot of the father, a lot of the mother, a lot of siblings, you know, lots of different ones. Sorry for the pun. <laughs> lots of lots. And, and just, lots of lots. Yeah, lots yeah. of lots. <laughs> and commenting also on that idea of the Arabic origin of these lots, which is completely uh, erroneous. I think that really derives from Renaissance and early modern period where they're doing all this revision. They were taking them and, away yeah. and therefore calling them Arabic. Which there's this anti-Arabic view. A good, a good, view. A good yes. Taking them away. Yeah, yes. And the yes. parts are the so-called so Arabic parts. The lots are within this bundle of things which that are were, discarded yes. out of astrology because they are from traditions that they don't. They really are not the don't pure Greek. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think perhaps it, it to a certain point. I think nowadays that's that's already changed historiography picked up on that idea and carried on with that uh, with that idea and didn't really do a revision until um, a few years ago a few decades ago to really yeah. um, how this process uh, of revision uh, happened I, yes I, I should just I should just point quickly uh, point out quickly though that um, when you say um, Arabic parts is a misnomer. It, it, it is, of course, probably not the best way to characterize them, but I, I should point out that there are some lots that appear to have been in, invented by Arabic astrologers, and here I'm thinking of Al-Biruni mm -hmm. and his yeah, they, they myriad more. lots of cucumbers and grapes and olive oil <laughs> and all that stuff, you know. Um, that I don't think there's anything like that in Abu Mashar. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> just and, very and people, you know, people make fun of it. But I suppose if you're growing cucumbers, it's good to know if your crop is going to be successful. I have the the, yeah. the the text that I studied in my PhD, and that you know, um, Belle Simon Belle, he uses the lots for um, revolutions of the year. Yes, and so did Abu Masher. We have meat and cereal and milk and honey and uh, all sorts of lots. So yes. yes, and probably they were uh, inventing the lots as they needed more, uh, mm -hmm. more lots. Actually, it's very interesting the way they they address because we have in this in this source we have seven different um, revolutions of the year, mm -hmm. and the way they, they they talk about the lots they they always begin by the weather of course and then meat, fish, and um, uh, vegetables and honey and it comes in a certain order and we can uh, imagine that this is the importance that they give to this to these so produce, uh, i suppose they were using the lots as they were needing them mm -hmm. yes yes but, um, for sure on future projects do you have anything um 
I know that you're yeah. preparing this paper and the publication of this paper that on the lots that we were mentioning. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, this paper, I also have another paper that I'm working on that talks about uh, more about Abu Mashar's lot system, uh, not so much the planetary lots, but the lots of the places mm -hmm. um, and, and where that's coming from. So, and so I'm documenting um, that that part of the tradition um, in uh, an article that is going to come out of the Abu Mashar conference that Charles did. Gosh, it seems like not that long ago, but I think it was maybe a year and a half or so ago. Um, November, not... <clears throat> no, yes, no, yes, yes, exactly. So from that, um, I also have in the pipeline an article that I wrote on divination and decumbature that that is another one of my interests is astrology and medicine yeah. um, and I'm doing that for a book that's being edited by my uh, friend uh, and classicist Crystal Addy who is an expert in divination and especially in uh, neoplatonic studies mm. um, so I'm hoping that's going to be out within the next year or so and then um, the the topic that um, which is definitely not firm yet but the topic that I would have been presenting had our little conference taken place but you will um, <laughs> it will it will it will it will it will yeah I I, I and that uh, I, I became interested in looking at the dignity system, and I won't go into why I became interested in it, but but um, what I'm interested also in is the, the, the transmission, the cultural transmission of dignities, and in particular, why they suddenly get weighted, you know, so that each dignity has a certain amount of points. Um, it was not like that in the, the Greek tradition. It was not. Every dignity each got a point. One, one dignity, yes. Yeah, one, yeah. One point, yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested in that, in that transition as well. Um, so, and I have no idea how that's going to develop yet. So I'll just say that's, that's one of my interests now too. Um, a lot to look forward to. Lots of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is assuming that I can actually get it all done. <laughs> In your abundant spare time. In <laughs> my abundant spare time. Yes, right, exactly. Okay, Dorian, uh, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much for uh, for being here with us and, and accepting our invitation. It was lovely to discuss uh, this with you. Um, and we hope we to see you, you. wish you very luck with your projects <laughs> and all the success with your projects and publications. And perhaps we can see you at the, uh, in the future podcast uh, discussing one of these topics, discussing one of these few paper, papers that's to come or any other topic that we find interest to, to yes. discuss a little bit more and, and to deepen a little bit more in terms of uh, the academic research that's going into it. Yeah. Thank, you. thank you. Well, thank you. I just, yes, I, I want to say thank you too for inviting me to, to have this little conversation. Um, it was a pleasure. Uh, it's, a, it's a delight to discuss ideas um, with, as my husband put it, puts it, my, my fellow wizards. <laughs> <laughs>
um, and and so thank you very much for inviting me and it was just really lovely to have this time to talk together thank you thank you thank you